I am always encouraged by the people that come to church in the middle of July because there's just so many folks who think middle of July, that's, that's optional, right? That's not a required time to come to church. So you guys are already blessing me by how many of you are here today and, and part of this. So uh, it's also um, a, a pastor's worst fear that you, you get a bigger building and then you have a slump in attendance. That's like the, that's like the, oh, that's terrible. That's, that's the stuff of nightmares for pastors, if you wonder what pastors nightmare about. So, but look at you, you're all here. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Well, today I, I couldn't help but think about uh, where I'm about to head to. Half of you have already said to me, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at summer camp. And, and that's because you know that the time of our diocesan summer camp, Araminta is on us. Somebody needs to wake up a couple of people on the back over there that are sleeping. Those are future campers about to head off. Um, but we will soon be over in, uh, in Araminta, over in Melrose, enjoying a summer camp. 182 campers this year. Wow. So pray for us. <laughs> so uh, we were, I was there till 1030 last night. Jody was there with me and I'll be back out there about four today. The kids arrive. Some of them are here in the, in the congregation will arrive on uh, Monday afternoon. So pray for us. I, I thought, I think about camp every time this year. This is one of those reoccurring gospel readings because it's, it's the middle of summer, it's the, it's the season after uh, Trinity Sunday, it's the, it's the season after Pentecost, and it's meant to strengthen the church. And here we have this familiar gospel passage where Jesus is sending out his disciples two by two. He sends them out, two, 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 12 of them, six groups of two, out into the world. And I, I always think about camp, because uh, camp is where you know you, you have two counselors per cabin. Uh, these counselors are charged with being under shepherds for their, for their flock, their, their cabin for the entire week. And if you've ever been a camp counselor, raise your hand if you've ever been a camp counselor. All right, some of you understand that it gets exhausting and it is so helpful to have that partner, that other person who is there to, uh, to take up the slack when you're tired. Or, you know, to, well, you don't have one more time to sort of, challenge them if they don't go to bed that you're going to do something really bad like call their parents it's great to have that backup that second person it just makes sense to go two by two it, it and and you know this week jody and i had our occasion to uh some people outside the church uh, a mother and a daughter that came and asked counsel asked us to, to sit with them and talk with them and as we were listening to the real difficult circumstances of their lives, we, I was just so grateful that Jody was there with me. Because again, when you're ministering to people, it, it's really tough when it's just you, if it's a couple or if it's an individual, and there's things that are really hard, it's so helpful to have that second person. Our prayer teams, as they pray, we have intercessory prayer teams. Uh, in special times, you can make appointments, we have soaking prayer nights, and also we have an intercessory prayer after the service but we always pray two by two. It makes sense to have that other person. Uh, there's the, the proverb that talks about, you know, if you know, it's better, two are better than one. And it's not just meant to be in the marriage relationship, it's meant to be in our, our ministry as well, but it's great to have that second person. 
to go along with us. So it makes perfect sense to me that Jesus would send his disciples out two by two. But I have to, to point out one little thing in the, in, the, in the scripture that you may have overlooked. So he sends them out two by two. In Matthew's version, he lists all the disciples. Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. He, he sent the brothers out together. Jeremy, Linus, I, I don't know. That might not be such a bad idea. Or that might be a bad idea. I don't know. It just depends. To send you out or send me out with my brother. I don't know. It could go either way. But um, but the end of the list, it says Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot. Now, if you don't know what a zealot meant, it, it, it was the... He, Simon was a part of the party that was looking to militarily overthrow the Roman government. And he got paired up with Judas Iscariot. I mean, wow. I would, that would be a novel to write, right? What, what did Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot do when they went out in the authority of Jesus to do this work that he had called them to do? So, man, I'd love to know that story. We don't get that in Scripture, but we know that they went out. It doesn't say Simon and Andrew were successful, Simon and Judas not so. I mean, you know, so we don't, we're not told. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that they're included there. This morning, this is, a, this is really a discipleship sermon. This is really uh, meant to, to provoke the church to love and good deeds. And it, it's, it starts by recognizing what it is that Jesus says when he sends out his disciples. He says, you fundamentally are called sent out once. That's weird to think about the church because now, you know, so many people in our culture go to church, not as many as did 10 years ago, but a lot of people still go to church. And so there's, there's can be that sense in which to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is to be called in to the church. In other words, you're here on a Sunday morning, and that's what recognizes you. But Jesus flipped that on its head and said, no, it's, it's not that you're called in or called away, but that you're sent out. You're the sent out ones. And just as he sent out those disciples on this mission, and we know he later sends out the 72 disciples out, he sends us out. And he gives us the opportunity to go out two by two because it is very helpful to go out with others. It's not a legalistic thing. He can sometimes send three or four or even a mission team. Uh, you know, to be six or eight or ten, but but there is but this this fundamental idea that we are sent out once. Now we can't relate to a lot of the details here. I mean, we don't, you know, unless you wear uh, chacos. You know, you don't wear sandals much anymore. Most of us don't. We don't know what the tunic thing. What's the tunic thing about? Why not a change of tunic? Is that like a second set of clothes? Well, no. It's it's more the idea of. Uh, a second tunic was worn over the first tunic and then at night you could wrap up in it. It was like your sleeping bag, so to speak. Jesus says no tunics, no money belts. I hope you don't wear fanny packs. That'd be the closest thing to a money, a money belt in our culture. Uh, my daughter likes to shame her mother by wearing one occasionally. So, But uh, anyway, Samantha that is. Uh, you probably guessed that. But, um, but no bags, no money, no bread. No second tunic. 
All those things are obscure. They're, they're first century cultural things that would have meant a lot to the people. What I think we take away from that is that as we are sent, we are to be going in dependence upon the Lord. Can I just say that the problem with the church in the West is that we have too much. We, we have so much and so much to take care of that we forget that Jesus sends us out and asks that we go out in dependence upon him. And that is something that we are not at all comfortable with. But what Jesus speaks to the disciples, they could have taken money belts and bread and, and, and bags and a second tunic and all this stuff, but he wants to emphasize to them that they go in dependence. They go completely dependent upon God to go with them and to meet their needs through the people that they're going to encounter and the situations that are going to come. I've been doing youth ministry for a long time. I was a youth when I started doing youth ministry. And sometimes, I, I, last night I'm talking to them, I'm thinking, man, these kids are getting younger and younger. They're, they look young compared to my children, you know? And it's like, Lord, I, how do I connect with yet another generation of teenagers? How do, how do I do this? I feel so inadequate. And then I read the scripture. And what is it that Jesus says? He sends us out and he wants us to be in a place of dependence. I know because I'm the same. Oftentimes we resist sharing about Jesus with people because we don't think we know enough or have built up enough relational uh, clout with that person or because we're not the expert that we need to be or the timing isn't right or we're so busy with all the things of our lives that we really don't have time we got to get the groceries in the refrigerator we got to get on to the next thing we are so full up with stuff and we aren't willing to be obedient to just go independence to open our mouths to be available to to step into that place where the Lord wants us. We're the sent out ones. But we have to go independence. Now, I mean, that's going to mean lots of different things for each of us. But fundamentally, it's going to be that, that, that it's, not going to be, it's not going to be when I'm ready. It's going to be when I'm fully dependent, when I'm in a place of trusting the Lord and truly being willing to say, Lord, unless you inspire me by your Holy Spirit, I'm going to look like a fool here. But then we, we open our mouths anyway. They went out in dependence upon him. But they didn't just go out in dependence. They also went out in authority. At the early service, and I think maybe we're doing it later in this service as well, because usually I steal David's song ideas. All hail the power of Jesus' name is the song. Are we doing that later? All hail the power of Jesus' name. You probably know that song. But think about what it means. That there is power in Jesus' name. We don't just go out in our own authority. We don't just go out in our own knowledge. We're in dependence upon Him. 
and we proclaim the authority of Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, there is power. And so we go out in that authority. He says, Jesus says, I send you out with authority to speak to demonic forces. I send you out with authority to speak to unclean spirits and to quiet them. Now, if that's freaky to you, you should have been a part of Mary and Anne's class that we did on spiritual warfare back in the spring, right? And when we're going to keep teaching things like that because we don't want you to be afraid of that kind of stuff because these, these powers and principalities, they're there, but they're nothing to be afraid of because in the name of Jesus, they tremble. That's what Scripture says. We take authority over them. We cast them out, which is what the disciples do at the end of this passage. There is authority in the name of Jesus. There's lots of talk, even among Christians, of vague God talk. Use the name Jesus. Speak of Jesus Christ. There is authority in speaking on the one who's revealed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to us. Who claim to be God the Son, come taking on humanity, living, dying, and rising from the dead. To speak about the person of Jesus is powerful. And Jesus says, I've given you that authority. I don't know that in a modern sense we can understand what it meant to have that sort of ancient delegated authority. When you speak, you speak for me. We're pretty reluctant these days. You know, don't speak for me. You know, I'll speak for myself, you know. But in the ancient day, that, that, that delegated authority to speak for the one who had sent you. We are those who are we're speaking with the authority of the one who sent us. All hail the power of Jesus' name. They are, they are given authority. They are told that they are, to, um, that they are to, even symbolically, if people won't receive their message, to shake the dust off their feet. That was an ancient custom of the rabbis that if they went to a pagan land or place that, that was unclean, they would, if the, when they got back to, like when you get to the border from Columbia to Alachua County, you'd stop and you'd get out and you'd, not to say that, that Columbia County is a, in a holy place, but you'd, you'd take your sandals and you'd shake. You didn't even want the dust of that other place to be brought in to a holy land. Amen? And, and so that was, a, it was, it was a, and so this is the point Jesus is making of the authority that they have. They go in his name and his power, and, and if, if people reject them, they are rejecting the Lord himself. By the way, the Ephesians passage, David was kidding me about pass, preaching the Ephesians passage. That's, it's speaking not about individual believers. It's speaking about the church. It's speaking about us corporately. That when, you, when you begin to read Ephesians 1 as the church, this is the church that's predestined to live out the purpose of God. It changes everything. That's whose authority we go in. That's the name we speak. And for people to reject the, the church of Jesus Christ is to reject, reject the Lord of the church. The hardest part of this passage for me, it's not that long, but is this idea about if you go to someone's house and you stay with them, don't, don't, don't upgrade, you know? And I think that's kind of what, what Jesus is getting at. It's, again, back to that dependence thing, but perhaps even beyond just, you know, so it's like, 
you go to someone's house, stay there. Don't, don't house jump, you know. Well, they have a jacuzzi, so I'm going to go stay with them. Well, they have a pool and a jacuzzi, so I'll, and then, but Jesus said, no, well, you go into a town, stay with, with the one that, you're, that receives you. But I, I think there's also something to be said for that. Um, work with the people that God puts before you. Uh, bloom where you're planted is sort of the cliche statement we make sometimes. That wherever the Lord's placed you and the, the people that are willing to listen, don't say, well, you know, gosh, I'd, I'd rather really have a little more high potential person to, to invest in. You know, no, whoever the Lord gives you, it puts before you, that's who he wants you to minister to. You who are sent. Well, lastly is the mission. The disciples go out. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Jesus has gone to his hometown. James preached last week. He wasn't able to accomplish a whole lot because of the unbelief of the people in Nazareth. Now he sends out the disciples, and this is what we're told in summary statement. And, and um, it says that, and so they went out, verse 12, and, the, and proclaimed that people should repent, change their hearts and minds, about God in the world, and they and cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. Our mission has not changed since once. We are still to proclaim repentance, to cast out, and to heal. This week, I was able to uh, have a a Skype conversation with one of our counselors who was coming back um, from out of town and she was sharing with me some of the struggles she's had in her life, some of the stuff that, 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 that she's seeking to overcome and temptations to meet her needs in her own way. And at the end of the telling me this stuff, she said, but Father Alex, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than all the things I'm tempted to run after. He, he's better. He, and he's worth any sacrifice I make for him. Can I suggest to you that that's the, that's the thing that we're proclaiming, that Jesus is better. He's worth whatever you have to give up to pursue him. The stakes are high. People need to know that the things they're, that they're seeking to fill their lives up with will kill them. Maybe not tomorrow, but will bring death in their lives. St. Augustine, the great saint of North Africa, said, seek what you seek, but not where you seek it. Seek what you seek. Your, your needs are your needs. What you need, you need. But don't seek it in those places that are wrong. Seek it in the Lord. Jesus is better. That's what we need to proclaim. And Jesus has, has said, I'm, I'm resting the mission on you, sent ones. I'm sending you out in my authority. I'm teaching you to be dependent upon me. And I am calling you to proclaim my message. And yes, we'll have to cast out things. But don't be worried about that because at the name of Jesus, 
demonic forces flee. Just by you going faithfully to where God calls you, you bring the power of Jesus Christ with you. And things are cast out. Darkness is cast out. We can't always change the circumstances of people's lives, but we can bring peace to them in the midst of their circumstances. And we can proclaim to them that Jesus is better. And we can pray for them in the name of Jesus and see them changed. We're the sent ones. Depend upon him. Know that you go in his authority. Carry out his mission. I don't know where God's calling you. He's calling me this week to go be with 182 campers. Some of you are going with me. For you, it may be the office. Some might be the neighborhood. Maybe a friend or a family member. But you're the sent ones. Let them know that Jesus is better. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.